Hello and welcome to the New Spiro podcast where we interview experts, authorities and characters on all things spearfishing. Come and join us after the show at noobspiro.com, the online spearfishing community helping you to become a better spiro. Here are your hosts for the show, Shrek and Turbo. G'day Noob Spiro community, today you are in for a treat. In the studio with Turbo and I we have a local legend, he's a humble valley driven Spiro who shoots some amazing local fish. Welcome to the show Trevor Ketchian. Hello, thank you for welcoming me to the show. <laughs> G'day Trev. So look, where, where did you get started Trev? Obviously you're a Brisbane local. Tell us a bit about getting started in local spearfishing. Okay, well the way I got started is I was working for a builder when I was an apprentice. And we got this new chippy who was slightly weird, so walked up, started talking to him, and yeah, it turned out he was right into spearfishing. I'd never heard of it, so hit him up, trying to work out like what it was about. He ran me through it. It sounded interesting. So that afternoon, I went in, bought suit, fins, gun, <laughs> got the whole lot. That weekend, I was in the water. No idea even how to pressurize. I spent the whole day diving down going, this is the worst sport ever. I've got a splitting headache. <laughs> Haven't seen a fish. It's filthy. End of the day, I hit up Brad, who... Was the one who took me out. I'm like, this is stupid. Well, how do you guys put up with this headache? He goes, just go like this. Pushes his nose shut. Next dive. Oh, this is great. (laughs) Completely different sport after that. And, yeah, just got hooked from that day and kept going. So you found breath hold diving pretty sort of natural after you learned to equalise? Somewhat. I spent a lot of time in the creeks just trying to dive from, like, pylon to pylon at Corumban and all that, trying to just get the hang of it because that was really your only outlet back then. There wasn't as many divers taking you guys out or with yeah. boats so. and just went from there. Yeah, so you mentioned you're in the creek, so what did you start targeting, like flathead and brim like everyone sort of seems to? Oh, pretty much black brim, brim, whatever was there. At that stage, you don't really have a flavour palette for fish. So as far as you know, brim is awesome. Black brim is awesome. Flathead is a dream. <laughs> Mowong is the best thing you've ever tasted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's only as you progress through the sport that you start to have other fish to yeah, kind of well, We've got a mate and he's... Over 12 months in, and he still loves a good flathead safari. So, oh. no way about that. He's still hitting like the three meters and two meters, and he loves it. So, I just want to say good day to J Lo. I love your flathead safaris, mate. Did you get a mentor? You mentioned this guy, Brad. Did you stick with him for a fair while? And- yeah, he taught me the basics. And whenever I wasn't able to get out with him on his boat, because he was diving with a much more experienced crew, I'd just be either by myself or with a few other of the newer guys, just. Trying to learn the ropes. So what was kind of like some of the biggest obstacles you had starting out? You've told us about equalising and so dirty crap water, diving in creeks. What other fun obstacles did you have starting out? Oh, basically just learning the ropes really because you kind of had to do it for yourself to a certain extent. Like yeah. the guys who'd take you out, it wasn't like they'd sit you down on the back of the boat and go, now, you got to do this, 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 this. It was more there's the water, there's the fish, just get in and shoot something. Yeah. You'd be in the water next and not really know what was going on. So most of it was learnt by just watching other yep. people and then trying to mimic what they were doing and seeing if it was comfortable or not. Do you think like learn by doing, like it has got a little bit lost, people are being a little bit spoon-fed these days perhaps. What are some of the advantages you think over learn by doing? I mean, the school of hard knocks, so to speak. No, not so much. I may have a different opinion to others, but I find that free diving and spearfishing are two completely different worlds. They've got overlapping features, I guess, for lack of a better word, but it's best to find, particularly in spearfishing, what you're comfortable with, how you're comfortable to dive, how you're comfortable to aim, because what could work for me 
could be completely different for you. I might aim with one eye shut looking down the length of the spear, whereas there's certain people like Brendan Chan who can take a shot, almost peripheral vision, looking completely away from the fish and nail it. So everyone's got different techniques and different things. So it's just good to watch someone, try it. If it feels wrong, don't try it. I've never understood the guys that just shoot on feel. I've tried it and I just cannot do it. I've I've really got to bring the gun up and sight it over the, the spear and, you know, that's why I'm loving the open muzzle thing, but. Yeah, I've got a mate. He just sits there and he headshots by feel. Yeah, I was going to make fun of Turbo, but he's a fair shot, so I won't. But we've got another mate, Steve Champ, and he'll try two hands, one hand, left hand, one eye, two eyes, roller guns. guns. The best way to work on your aim and actually get to the point where you can almost shoot by feel and after a while you'll be able to literally like have a pylon in your way, the fish is on the other side, angle your gun around it and still hit the fish is pick one gun and stick with it for as long as you physically can change lengths, but just find a gun you're really comfortable with. May it be basic, super complicated. I'd prefer basic and just stick with it. And you'll find that eventually you won't have to aim at all. You'll be looking at the fish and where you're looking at the fish is where you'll shoot the fish. Now, I'm going to probably have a smart remark here. I know, Trevor, like when I dived with you originally, you were using an OMA and then you've switched to Blue Tech mm-hmm. and then you went to, what's the Woodies? Oh, those Andre guns. Andre yeah. guns. And what are you shooting now? Still the Omer. Oh, okay. 90% of my fish, I still use the Omer. The, okay. the, the Blue Tech, and the reason I went over to the Blue Tech is it's just a beefed up, almost exactly the same as those little Omer HFs. Yeah, okay. And that's a very good example in where simplicity is a lot better than money. For a Blue Tech, you're looking at $1,400. Wow. You take about two hours every time you re-rig it to get it accurate again. Oh, and wow. if you shoot so much as a rock, and I mean if you dint the tip, you're going to be shooting around corners. Oh, wow. So really complicated gun, really expensive, good when it's working right, but it'll cause you more headaches than anything else. Okay. Whereas you get a simple rail gun and you yeah, you can nearly have the shaft. Bam, like if it's a boomerang, you're still going to hit the fish. Well, what's the blue tech? Is it a rail gun? It's an open rail gun but full carbon monoblock, so it's yeah. hollow, two bits of carbon that get sandwiched together. So it's very, very light. And unfortunately because of that, with the amount of lightness and the amount of power that it has, it's got a hairline trigger for being either overpowered or underpowered. Right. And it just can throw the shaft all over the place. Oh, right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, like, just for our <laughs> audience, kind of like talking about Brisbane conditions, Brisbane diving, you've sort of covered a little bit of shore diving. Obviously, there's not much shore diving in Queensland. You do sort of. Not a great deal. You've got a few areas off the Tweed and the Sunshine Coast, but that's pretty much where you're limited to. We've got a lot of big bays, so that kind of yep. negates it for us, unfortunately. Yeah. What about out wider? How would you describe our conditions? I mean, obviously, we've got the cooler water down south and the Tweed, new, top of New South Wales, and then we can go warmer stuff up Sunshine Coast, start shooting coral trout and things like that. But how else would you describe our local conditions? Around Brisbane, as long as you're happy to dive in current almost all the time and comfortable with dirty water, we don't get so much clean water here or anywhere near as much as we'd like just due to the bay and the amount of runoff. But we are very well positioned to shoot a myriad of species because we do have, you can go from the Tweed all the way to the Sunshine Coast and even further north if you wanted to and target a lot of different fish in those areas. Just our local area, and I know we talked about this earlier, but when you were starting out in the Brisbane area, how did you go about your reconnaissance missions? And looking for all those spots that nobody else has, finding your own friend. When we first started out, all we had was a little 4.2 dory. And we'd go out and you'd go, okay, I've heard a rumour that there's a ledge at the top of Morton. Okay, 
go out there, no sounder, no GPS, <laughs> literally cruise along, and one of us would get the fun job of having our head over the front of the boat while someone else held our feet with our mask holding it to our face, <laughs> looking down until you could see the difference in colour in the bottom. And that's just how we started. And we spent years diving like that. And that's how you started shooting safety videos for Queensland Health and Safety. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Well, we were out looking at Coffee Rock, and unfortunately, as we were getting towed, we must have been just like a big lure. We had a mako come up and just start buzzing us <laughs> oh, really? underneath. So that was the last time we tried that technique to find oh. new ground. We're like, no, nah, no more getting towed behind the boat like six knots. It, it worked well to find ground, but you're literally just like a gigantic lure. Yeah. yeah. Must look like a marlin getting pulled up. And, yeah, the sharks really got turned on by it. And, and now sort of years on and you've got better equipment, better boats, and you know what you're doing how are you doing it these days? These days, well, I'm very lucky with the boat I've got now. It's got quite a large through-hull transducer so that even at full speed, I can scroll back through the screen and mark anything that's there right. and then go back later. So we'll spend days where we just literally will pick an area and almost go over it like a printer, just going over it like grid lines and find all your high points, any ledges or anything like that, and then you can go back. And so as soon as you see that visual spike, you press mark and it will know You can where it actually was. scroll back on the sounder screen to exactly where that spike is, depth and everything else. Yeah. And hit your mark on that screen and That's it'll brilliant. bring it up on your GPS. Because it's hard too, isn't it, when you've got your few spots that produce for you, to sit there on a day and go, no, no, today we're just going to go and look for new ground. But yeah. if, you, if your GPS is doing that for you as you're going along. Yeah, we found a lot of spots just randomly in the middle of nowhere mm. as we're trying to get to other things. Nine times out of ten, you'll jump in. It's a big sand hill. One time out of ten, you'll jump in and there's a really good fish. Yeah, nice. What sort of percentage of time do you spend doing reconnaissance? I know you could go out every day and fill the esky up, just going to the same old spots, but you don't. You love finding new ground, new challenges, new fish. What sort of percentage of time do you think out spearfishing you'd spend doing reconnaissance? I'd say around probably 60 to 80%. The only times I try and go to the same areas is if I've got someone on the boat who's targeting specific fish to try and find it for them just so they can enjoy themselves. But if I even go to an area where I've been before, I'll always try and do a different drift line over that same area just yeah. to see what you can find as you're moving around and mm. always trying to find different bits that aren't on the charts. Ideally, if you want to find good fish, I've found, particularly in populated areas, is if it's on a map, it's not going to be as many good fish there. But if you've got two points on the map and a whole lot of area of nothing between them, chances are there could be something you just mm. start randomly looking. Yeah, okay. Good advice. Awesome, mate. Well, we know you've shot plenty of good fish. Could you share a story of your most memorable or your, your most favourite fish that you've taken? Oh, that's a weird one. I don't know about memorable or favourite. The sailfish was quite good off the Sunshine Coast. That was entertaining. Swimming along, jumped in on a bait ball, got in, going, okay, finally going to get a wahoo. Swum down, plugged about an 18-kilo wahoo, snapped my spear clean off. Wow. <laughs> and this is on one of those big fancy guns. And jump back in the boat, all depressed and angry. <laughs> Throwing the really good expensive gun up the front. The boys have been kind enough. and We've gone and gotten up current of that same bait ball again, jumped in, started making our way, drifting back. I'm just sitting there burling up some Spanish, probably like voodoo for you people. You probably think that's evil, but it works really well for burling. <laughs> and burling it up. And next thing, only about a 10 kilo wahoo's come in. And I've just got the little real gun omer, little one one. So I've swum down, I'm stalking after this wahoo. Next thing, just this big flash on my left comes up. I've turned, and here's about a 40 kilo sailfish, probably wow. a foot off me. Well, yeah. Turned with this tiny little real gun and plugged it, spooled the reel, hooked on the float, spooled the float, and <laughs> finally got it up to the surface again. And the bloke we had with us, I'm like, second shot. So he's gone over and shot clean through the sail. And it's just come straight out again. 
And the fish is just going deep. So for about 20 minutes, just slowly bringing this fish up because the spear had gone right through, but during the fight it had popped back into its rib cage. So it was only half in the fish. Finally got it up, landed it, and was stoked. It was, a, it was really good fun. Most fun watching four blokes trying to get this awkward fish in and over the side of a boat. Yeah. It's like two pushing and two pulling. and uh, Yeah. It's entertaining. What did it taste like? Actually, not too bad. I was lucky because where I'd shot it, I'd kind of gone through the heart, so it had really bled out well. Oh, cool. Nice white flesh. No sharks come around? Not one. I was panicking about it, but yeah. Yeah, sweet. Now, you've had plenty of time out at sea. What's the scariest or one of the scariest moments you've had out spearfishing? What did you take away from it? No, I was trying to think of a good answer to this earlier. I don't get so much scared in situations where you'd think it's more of a yeah, me either more of an ex- <laughs> not, not so no I mean yes because I am manly man yeah. and I have big chest yeah, no it's I've got a pretty big tick on myself yeah it's more I um <laughs> whenever I should be scared I always seem to be intrigued and curious but yeah. one of the times I've been very very anxious is Brad and I and Russell years back we decided this is when I was just starting we'd go up and dive the keppels one Christmas holidays Cyclone blew in, and being the three idiots we were, we've gone, yep, we're going to take our 4.2-metre dory tinny <laughs> over the keppels in just ridiculous conditions. And so Brad and I jump in it. We managed to get over there, jumped in the water. Big school of fish just came straight at us when we are in the water. We've gone, nah, this isn't worth it. Something was obviously chasing them. So we've jumped back in the boat and gone, okay, we're going to get back. Now it's just raining, couldn't see anything. We were very lucky that Brad is an exceptional skipper. And we managed to get back across from the Keppels, and it was rough. So what's that sort of distance from Keppels back in? What are we talking here? Oh, no, I'd say about 40 kilometres. Nice. In what, cyclonic conditions? Yeah, it was was bad. As we're getting ready at the boat ramp, the VMR people are just standing there just shaking their heads. (laughs) You shouldn't even be going out into the bay. Yeah. But they're the silly things you do when you're you're young and and full of testosterone, I guess, for lack of a better word. You've got a rig now that loves a bit of punishment, though. You regularly love to head out in 20 to 25 knots when Turbo's trying to sleep in and and he's actually crying just thinking about going out. I'm already sick in bed thinking about 25 knots. (laughs) It's horrible. What what are you running, like a Hanes 17? Yeah, Hanes 17L with that two-and-a-half-foot pod extension. It it rides really well, works very good. It does cop a lot of punishment. Once a month it's getting rebuilt because we've cracked something or split <laughs> something else. They disintegrate. Dive boats don't have a very good shelf life. So what, why did you choose the Hanes? What makes that boat such a good dive boat? They're just an incredibly well-riding hull. They're not so good at rest. They were never designed for that. But in almost any condition, you can get one of those little boats to outperform most of your big boats. Yeah, right. We've actually got a, a mate that's done a build-up of the Haynes 17L, a complete strip-down and build-up that we're going to share on the website mm. coming shortly. So, yeah, no, they're awesome a wicked boat. boat. I've been sport. I've been out in some flash boats, and the Haynes are frigging awesome in rough conditions. Well, mm. to put it in perspective, John Regan's got that massive Kevlar cat, and if it's anything over 10 knots, he goes out in mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's this giant Kevlar cat at home. It's time to open the Veterans Vault. Right, hey, Trev, so this part of the show we call the Veterans Vault. It's where we like to ask our guests to take us sort of deep into an area of expertise. So today I've sort of asked you if you wouldn't mind giving our audience some particular do's and don'ts about when they get out on those early boat dives and the experienced guys take them out. What kinds of things annoy the experienced guys when they're taking noobs out on their boats or inexperienced guys? What kinds of things really get on your wick or, or other guys you know? These days, I have a little bit more patience, but these days I've found that one of the biggest things annoying experienced divers 
is the young fellas complaining that there aren't any fish or that <laughs> there's too much current or that it's not like the DVD they watched last night. Or... <laughs> you seem to get that a lot these days, unfortunately. One of the, the second ones down that's probably the highest one, particularly with people with the Hanes, when your boat's out of balance and the new divers don't even realise or try and move around, you yeah. try and tell them and it just punishes your boat if you're not on an even keel. Being 135 kilo, I'm quite regularly imbalancing someone's boat. <laughs> oh, you're not too bad. <laughs> We've had you out. We just have three people on one side of the boat. <laughs> you're on the other side of the boat. You're fine. Oh, I love it. Thanks for that. So you don't like complaining. That was one thing you said. Complain. Yeah. So so complaining's all right, yeah. but you're, you're out there to learn. You're, you're out there to have fun. We have days where we get nothing. I've had numerous days, yeah. even recently, where yeah. you go out, you don't get any fish, but perseverance is the key you can be on the same bit of reef for 12 hours straight and then the current will just change slightly there'll be fish everywhere yeah it's just perseverance so attitude's a big one though with yeah you, guys. you just got to enjoy yourself and if someone's willing to offer you some advice you don't have to take it as gospel but at least give it a crack and see yeah suck up your bottom lip and keep going yeah. back when i was learning if you ever got seasick or complained or made them move the boat, you paid for all the fuel. That was just how it was. And <laughs> That sounds like a good not, rule. Not so bad in little boats, but if you're out with someone in a big boat and you're sick, you just literally stand in front and go, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm not paying $500 for your tank of fuel. No, I'm fine. That sounds terrible. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford to go diving as it is, let alone pay for every trip. It was terrible. <laughs> no, you did all right the other day. It was five knot variables, but you didn't even have any sort of hiccups. At five uh, knots, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> the previous, I will say this: I just kept vomiting and stayed, kept going. Yeah, seasickness is an evil devil. I'm horrible for it. Incredibly susceptible. On really? a normal day out, I've got to wake up earlier before I leave home. I've had half a tablet on the way there, another half at the ramp, half. So it builds up in your system slowly, so it doesn't just knock you out. Makes you sleepy. Day, eh? Oh yeah. Yeah. Through the day, I'll probably have another one and a half tablets intermittently, just to keep it in the system. Yeah. Well, see, if you take it slower. You're not going to fall. You don't just crawl over and fall asleep. Yeah. You just got to let it build up. That's great. Like, because I did that uh, on Sunday and there was a little bit like I took, no, no matter, I've, look, another thing, J-Lo always tells me, it's going to be flat, mate. You don't need your pills. No, don't worry about it. We get out there pills. and I'm just throwing it over the edge. Even and before you've left home, take your pills. Yeah, Think of it like the female contraceptive. <laughs> You're taking it so you don't get sick. You don't take it after <laughs> you've got an issue. <laughs> I'm not in any way saying that pregnancy is sickness. <laughs> Before everyone rings up and great, I get lynched. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> anyway, what else have we got? What else does everyone do wrong? My biggest one annoying people when I started out, I used to bug Rod all the time, was seasickness, getting really crook and just not being able to dive. But back then I literally just drove the boat all day. Yeah. You'd literally go pick them up, throw up, drop them off, pick them up again, throw up again. It's off. a great sport when it's, it's like great. isn't it? <laughs> Character building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other side of the corners, what kinds of things do the experienced guys love from noobs on their boats? Asking genuine questions, listening to the answers, being willing to boaty. Like there's some days you might be out with a certain crew of people and it's well beyond your depth or you're feeling sick or tired. And those days, if you're willing to just sit there and boaty, chances are it'll come back in your favour later on. Like they'll go to a spot that's shallow and they'll be tired because they've used up all their energy diving deeper. 
next thing you're in there just cleaning up on fish yeah. that they're not particularly interested in, but it's a really good learning experience for you. Yeah, Shrek often picks up my scraps and he loves it. I <laughs> 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 gut shot them too, so they really know it was At me. least then you don't have to gut them. You get yeah, them up and yeah. just pull it out the hole, yeah. the fish is cleaned, all nicely bled. I love that, silver lining. That's yeah. it. Um, what else did you guys like? Always paying it. It was a real big thing last year for probably six months, blokes coming out, oh, I'll get you next time, I'll get you next time, and just never actually yeah. paying. And as a boat owner, you lose track of who owes yeah. you what. And yeah, yeah. I had a, we got a mate actually who took some guys out and he told them the price. They tried to barter it. Yeah, it's tried to barter it down, so you can't do that. Yeah, but rule of thumb, you're looking at 50 each. That just seems yep. to be a good idea. And even if they say less, you just go, look, mate, here's the... Yeah. Here's what I think it's worth because yeah. boats, oh. your fuel's 50, then you got service it, insure it, keep it on the trailer, maintain yeah. it. It does add up over time. Yeah, and even when it's your friends, like boats cost money to run. If they are your friend, you pay your way. Yeah. And, yeah, there's nothing wrong with slipping them a couple of extra dollars as well because services, everything, that bearings are always going in trailers and there's just costs every day. I don't have a boat, so I super appreciate getting out and I oh, never, yeah. ever have a problem paying well, I owned a boat. I hated it. I got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> the best bit of advice I heard about boats was when I was younger and it was from the old man. He goes, what you want is mates with boats. Mates with boats, excellent. You having a boat? No, no, no. no. Mates with boats. <laughs> but probably the biggest thing at the moment would be also secrecy. If you get taken out on someone's boat, just to keep quiet where you were and don't go and just disintegrate those areas again mm. afterwards. If you can do that, you'd be surprised the quality of divers you'll get to go with mm. and as quickly as you'll get to go. Mm, okay. So I guess like us doing this podcast thing is pretty much stuffed all our chances of going with anybody <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I don't know. Unless you're on here afterwards going, and as we were doing the interview, we had his GPS and here are the marks. <laughs> if you go to these coordinates, you will find this fish. Now, no, as long you, as you've, you've got to get on the email, emailing this for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are societies that are very no, hard to join. Yeah. You could probably do that then. No, we, we nah, still like to go spear fishing. I like your advice too about finding your own ground you know that's the way to go it's good oh, it's, it's great to have a couple of marks that are a sure bit and you, you get a couple of fish in the esky and then it's time to go and do some reconnaissance no it's get a lot your own stuff you never know what you're going to find either like you, you never know what you're going ridiculous. to get yeah. <laughs> all right moving on mate can you tell us the funniest thing you've experienced out diving funniest thing i can remember a funny story Oh, what, me naked covered in dolphin fish? <laughs> no, I, um, you know, that was one of them. It's hard to think of funniest because we do a lot of really silly things. Like, for instance, yeah. last time I went out, we had a bent shaft, so I got the really large ocean born and tried to shoot my float with it from the back of the boat and ended up on the floor. The kick literally just pushed me off the back chair. Oh, wow. Hal nearly fell over laughing. What else? I've had times where I was sitting on the back of the boat trying to dive this wreck and I was just doing dead drops straight off the boat, diving down. And the boys thought it would be funny to go as fast as they could because while I'm breathing up, I've got my eyes shut and just flick it into neutral and just scream, go. And I've just instinctively rolled out. Next thing, I'm skimming along the top of the water. <laughs> <laughs> so that was entertaining. What else? Uh, Dondre trying to surf on the back of an outboard whilst drinking Stone's ginger wine. That was fun. <laughs> it was cold, so he was trying to warm up. Yeah, and the water would, the motor would be warm, the ginger wine would be warm. Probably the funniest one recently was with Ben and Hal, and we were out trying to chase some blue water species out off the sunny coast, and they've seen this big fin break the surface, and they went, yep, this is going to be excellent, definite marlin. So I jump on the back get all rigged up, jump in, roll into the water. They're throwing burly over their shoulder, look down. Here's this nice, big, great white. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Which would be the third time we saw it that day. 
literally turned around, went, not a marlin, jumped back in the boat. <laughs> and they thought it was hilarious. They're like, yeah, yeah, no, we were sure that was mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You've, had a, you've had a few run-ins of great whites this year. Only the, probably three so far. There was the one that at Cape swam up on Dondre at the bottom, the one on the sunny coast, which came in on us repeatedly. It, it did not want to go away. And another one out off Cape, a bit further south. Wow. What were the sort of sizes of these fish? The one on the Sunshine Coast was as long as Ben plus fins plus gun, so I'm going to say three to four easily. Yeah. The one that mm-hmm. came in on Dondre was probably only two and a half to three, but really fat. Yeah, yeah. Then the other one closer to Cape was around the three mark. They seem to be smaller. Yeah. Cape. I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about that. So the one that was going to come in on Dondre, and you've given a bit, a bit, a bit of a poke. Now, that made the news. It was a highly sort of controversial bit of a stir on Facebook. Can you just sort of briefly recount the, the events for us? Yeah, no, I can, I can go through a quick run. That was more swimming in on Hal. The one on Dondre oh, okay. oh. came in on the bottom and Dondre literally turned around and just sat on the bottom and faced it for probably 15 seconds. And then I've never seen anyone come up so fast in my life. The one on the sunny coast, we just been diving all day and that was the second time it had decided to come in. And as it was coming up vertically on Hal, I just swam down try to deter it. Same thing anyone should do in that situation yeah, with any, yeah. any shark. Yep. You're not going to hurt the shark. It's just ah. more going, I'm too hard to eat. Go yeah. and eat something tastier. Same yeah, if, yeah. For instance, we're both running away from a bear. Yeah. I wanted to think I'm harder to eat than you. Yeah. <laughs> no offence in any way, shape or form, but I wanted to think that you're easier to eat than I am. I'd be faster though. So <laughs> like, you'd be, yeah, because if a bear was coming, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess that's the same with the great white. So, yeah, so you give it a bit of a poke as a deterrent. Like You can't even pierce their skin. Their, their, no, their you'd skin. need a lot of force to shoot through a great white yeah, if right. you were intending to shoot through one, not that I in any way condone that sort of activity. No, no. Yeah. But, like, there's this sort of, like, I remember reading an article earlier in the year and they were talking about why we see this confidence from great whites all the time now and people were attributing it to shark diving in cages and things like that where we deliberately burly up and they get comfortable around people. Mm. And so, like, I think it's almost at the stage now where they do need a deterrent. It's like we're not food. We can defend ourselves to a certain extent anyway. I'm in no way a shark expert, but from what I've seen from other species, particularly tiger sharks and oceanic hammerheads, they're big enough that if you're smaller than them, they're going to see what you are. And unfortunately, it's not like a human. We walk up, pick it up, have a look, turn it around. Oh, yes, it's great. They've only got teeth. So they walk up and bite it. Walk up. That's exactly what a shark does. <laughs> they swim He's not up. an expert. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they walk up to you and shake your hand. No, they swim up to you and they'll mouth whatever it is to try and find out what it is. And that's what happens to people's propellers, the sides of their boats. They're just swimming up going, so what is this giant floating thing? And right. Once they start attributing you with food, even your smaller sharks like your reef sharks, there's certain areas up north where you cannot physically land a fish because they're so used to spearfishing people. As soon as a click of your gun goes, you just swarm by sharks. Yeah, wow. Right. Okay. Same as what I'd do if I was a shark. I'm a bit of a fat, lazy person. If I see a guy already shooting the fish for me, I'm going to eat his fish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My sure. Fish. Well, hey. I think it's time for Fast Five Facts for Noobs. Take it away, Pedro. See, it's time for Noob Spiro's Fast Five Facts. Ay, ay, ay. Thanks, Pedro. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I just met this amazing invisible man called Pedro. He's oh, awesome. He's, just he's there. He's there. So yeah. past five facts is like five bits of advice that you would have loved to have heard when you started out. Main one, the biggest bit of advice I could give anyone is learn to hunt. Don't even bother about diving. Learn how to hunt, what fish you're going to do, how to track fish. Just 
because you're trying to track them down. Everything else will come with time. The second one would just be simplicity. The simpler your setup, the more people are going to want to take you because if you turn up on someone's boat and you've got all the bells and whistles and a giant bag, it's space, it's it's not going to get used. So you just want to have simple gun, simple fins, everything nice, easy, doesn't break down on you all the time. You'll get a lot more fish. How many guns should they bring, the newbie? I'd recommend just two guns. And that's all you really need. One to use, one to use when your main one breaks because that does happen yeah. repetitively. And apart from that, just your wetsuit that you're going to wear, fins, mask, snorkel, rig line if you use a rig line, which would be my third point. Rig lines are a lot simpler when you're starting out. You're going to land a lot more fish and you're going to lose a lot less gear. Yep. It's a lot safer, particularly in Brisbane because of the high level of boat traffic we have and particularly in rougher conditions. A yep. guy, a boat's not going to see you if you're just swimming around with a real gun. Yeah. The fourth one would just be have fun. You're not out there to become the best straight away. You're out there to have fun. If you see a big slaty brim, shoot it, take it home, eat it, bleed it. It'll taste really bad if you don't bleed it. <laughs> but definitely take it home and eat it and just enjoy yourself. You're not out there to prove that you're the best person on Facebook and show up all your mates. You just really want to have fun. If you have fun doing the sport, stay in it for a lot longer. And yeah. with time, you'll get a lot better. That's cool. And the fifth one, what would be a good fifth bit of advice to give someone starting? Oh, don't open your mouth when there's jellyfish everywhere. It really hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Jellyfish. No, it hurts. If you ever get stung on the inside of your mouth, it makes your mouth numb. Even on the lips, it's terrible. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's worse on the inside, though. Oh, I made the mistake the other day talking to someone, and as I've turned mid-sentence, one was in the water upside down. And just one of your blue... Normal ones that you kind of don't take. Yeah. Yeah. Got me on the inside of my gums. I was in the boat for about four hours. Crying? Yeah. No, no. You didn't cry? No, no. no. It really does mess you up. We had another question we don't normally, we're just starting to ask. What piece no, of I will equipment? I make out with you. <laughs> I can understand that spe- question. That's um, a special pre show question that oh, we sorry. ask sorry. in order to warm the guests Post-show up. Post show after party. Yeah. <laughs> we call this bit crucial kit for noobs. So, I mean, you've already mentioned a rig line, but what piece of equipment is essential and what brands do you recommend and why? Probably the most essential bit of gear any new diver should have is a mask that correctly fits your face. It keeps all the water out. If you're getting water in your mask, you're going to be more susceptible to seasickness. It's going to be harder to breathe up. You're going to be constantly getting anything. And as for brands, it's really hard to tell. Everyone's face is so different. Yeah. I personally find the cheapest, nastiest ones fit me because I've yeah, got the too. biggest nose. Yeah. Whereas all your more expensive ones have really tiny noses and it doesn't fit on my face. Yeah, I've done sort of both mistakes. So I went to like the super wide vision, high volume mask, mm. and that was like expensive and branded. And then I thought, man, this is just terrible. Like I said, it was really affecting me when I got down a bit deeper and I thought, this is ridiculous. So I changed back to a super low volume. And went too far the other way. It was uncomfortable yeah. the, the, and you'd smile and water would come in. And Now, the super low volume ones are really good for free divers, not so much for spearfishing because you're not using much air to pressurise them, but they're not designed to move or look around. Or mm, Okay. Yeah, your medium ones of a reasonable price, you don't have to have anything fancy, but just make sure it fits you. So just go into the shop, shaven, just stick it to your face without the strap, and if it falls off, you can't use it. Okay, cool. Right, so... Before the show, we chatted briefly about a couple of local videos you've made. You've got a Highlights of 2014 video. Yeah. We're going to link that up in the show notes so you can go and have a look at what Trevor does and how he loves to just punish fish. There's not many that swim away, is there, in your video? 
Uh, apart from Wahoo, lots of Wahoo get away. <laughs> never landed a Wahoo. Never, probably never going to. I've given up now. I just let other people shoot them while I point at them. Yeah, they're such a soft fish. You got to get a really good shot, and when you do get a good shot, make sure your gear's in immaculate condition. Yeah, or you lose your shaft. Okay. And a local company you've been sort of helping to support lately. You've been trialing some gear for them. Cetos. You know what? What sort of gear do they make, and what's it like? Uh, they're just starting out. I've got a couple of their guns coming soon just that I've ordered to buy and trial out because I'm trying to go back to more simple gear after this Oceanborn. It's it's very frustrating. They're just starting. It's similar to your old freedivers or your edge guns, just simple, nice, basic rail guns. They're also making a lot of different flashes that are quite effective. They're experimenting with their roller guns now. Okay. And they've got some good stuff coming out, but it'll just be good to see how they go. They're a new company, Australian-based. So they got a website? I'm not 100% sure. I'm not good with okay. technology. We'll try, and, we'll try and link him up in the show notes. And then another thing that is quite popular here locally, you've got a Facebook page. It's quite renowned, Seawolf Spearfishing. I think so. So if people are dedicated spearers in the Brisbane area, they can request to join? So it's, it's definitely worth a look. We try and keep it just as a place without all the negativity and stuff like that. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, why we like it. Forums and it just gets narky. Oh, it's insane. Everyone thinks they're a genius these days with the internet. It's wonderful. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the do's and don'ts video. So we're going to try and link that up as well. Yeah, so I'll what, definitely what, go what's back in that video? That. Just my mistakes from about six months <laughs> that all ended up on footage, like missing second shots point blank and missing shots on crayfish that are literally just sitting there. <laughs> Spanish, when the rig line's wrapped around your leg and you've literally just got to pull the spear back out of the Spanish and watch it swim away and things oh, like that. Just yeah. trying to run through the things that you shouldn't ideally do because it, it just makes you sad. Well, good on you for sharing it anyway. I mean, we do all learn these lessons and sometimes it's <laughs> nice to watch someone else do it so you don't have to do it. Oh, it was just good to put it up because yeah. I don't know where people get this mentality that I'm some something, anything else that just a normal guy that spends a lot of time on the water because I've only really been back in the sport now for about two years. So You do all right, Trevor, and you're, you're great fun out to go out on the boat with I know that personally. So That's how you've got to be, yeah. or it's boring. <laughs> I've been out with some super serious divers. Yeah, you me just want too, to man. smack your head on the dash all day long. <laughs> I think there's a bit of like you've got to define yourself as a spear too. Like there's comp divers. They want to be the best. They dive competitions all the time. There's... Trophy hunters, like we we recently did Cameron Kirkconnell, like he loves shooting just huge fish. You know, and then there's just guys that love shooting a feed, taking it home to their family. There's other guys that just want to get out and have fun with their mates. Yeah. You've kind of got to decide who you are in sport and what you want to be and and just don't be a dickhead, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, it's hard being, because I try and be a slut and do a little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes you'll be in a comp and trying to dive like you normally would and vice versa, and it just it, it makes it confusing. But it is fun. Yeah. All right, well, thanks. Thanks all for coming on the show, Trevor. It's been awesome. And we've got some gold out of you. Yeah. I'm looking forward stuff. to sharing this content on iTunes and people can find the show notes on newspirit.com. What do you want to add, Turbo? Just before we go, I want to be annoying. Pole Spear, can I have some tips, please? I got this thing. I thought I was going to be Cameron Kirk Connell. Didn't turn out that way. Mm. Freaking hopeless. And I finally got a dolly with it. Well, what tips can you give me? Because I know that you've been into it as well. When I first came back, to try and get back into stalking fish well because I took four years out of the sport. I got the pole spear and you kind of got to just focus purely on it. It'll it'll really help your hunting. You'll get a lot closer to fish than what you, you anticipated. But you've literally got to leave your other guns at home or you'll find you'll be in the water, you'll make a mistake. Nah, you throw it in the grab your gun again. But, yeah, I, I found if you leave your guns at home and just spend a lot of time with it because the same thing with the pole spear, it's not like your gun where you can sight 
Yeah. It's a lot of working out your angles and your trajectories. And, but, no, it is really good fun. I highly recommend it, particularly for guys starting out. It will really help you getting close to a fish and you'll find you get a lot better shots after spending a few months with a pole spear and then going back to a gun. Cool. Beautiful. Is there anything else you want to add, maybe say to our audience? Don't drink and drive? I don't know. You've just got to kind of enjoy yourself and try and always be as safe as you can. I got taught starting out that it's better that someone lands the fish rather than everyone loses one. So the guys who taught me, they're very team Base. We all work together just to land a fish. Yeah. We don't care if it's the one person gets the one fish and that, that's good. So as soon as someone shoots a fish, we'll go down and defend that and try and second shot it if we can. It's better to work as a team because you're going to always get more fish in the boat than what you are going out there on your own. And yeah, cool. Trying to do it hard. That's a good, good bit of parting bit of advice. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, Trev, thanks yeah. for coming and, and speaking to us. That's great. Hopefully I was reasonably coherent. Thanks for listening today, Noob Spiro. If you'd like to find out any more information from today's guest, then head over to noobspiro.com. We really appreciate you guys as listeners. Without you, we couldn't do the show. So if you want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes or head on over to noobspiro.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter. We won't send you crap. So that's all from us. A big hooroo. We hope to see you soon. Shrek over and out. Shrek over and out.